0: Welcome to the Modern Creative Podcast. Listen in as we connect with other creative entrepreneurs and have real conversations about life, business, and everything in between.
1: Owning a creative business doesn't have to be confusing or overwhelming, and you don't have to go at it alone. It's absolutely possible to be successful as a modern creative, and we want to help you to go after your own creative dreams. Welcome back to the Modern Creative Podcast. We're super excited for today's guest because we're chatting all about setting up multiple revenue streams in your business. This is a really fun episode because it's our very first time having a blogger as well as a male guest. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you to leave a review on iTunes if you haven't already. Leaving a review helps us so much and helps us know that you're enjoying the content that we put out there. All right, so let's get started.
0: Okay, guys, so like Diana mentioned, we do have a guest with us today. Baron is the founding editor of The Effortless Gent, which is an online style publication that is focused on helping guys feel confident and looking sharp. Baron's also a friend from high school, and I'm going to go on the record and say he was super stylish then, too. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, Baron. If you want to say hello to our listeners,
2: hello, everybody. Guys, thanks for having me.
0: Sweet. We're so excited to have you here. Like Diana said, like, first blogger. And immediately I was like, multiple revenue streams. So (laughs) we have to talk about that for sure. But if you want to tell us a little bit about how you started the Effortless Gent, because I know it started as a side hustle.
2: Yeah. So um, back in 2009, I started Effortless Gent, again, on the side. Uh, At the time, I was working as a designer and a front-end developer at this tech company in San Francisco. I started off as an intern, and then I got hired on full-time, and so that was like my job job. And then after I got home from work, I had dinner with my girlfriend, now she's my wife, and um, you know, we would eat dinner, and we would hang out, and then from basically 7 or 8 p.m. until I would say 1 or 2 a.m. every night, I would work on the site. And this is the very beginning when I was trying to figure out you know, what I wanted to write about, and I was like kind of building the site, all those uh, you know, first steps, essentially. And I did that for a month or two, I would say, and then um, I eventually launched the site in November of two thousand nine. And yeah, it's been going from there. So almost, I think, almost ten. This is my tenth year, so I'm almost going to hit the ten year anniversary.
0: That's huge. I hope that you're going to celebrate like big.
2: Totally, totally. It's it's pretty crazy to think that it's even been that long. But so here we are.
0: (laughs) That's so awesome. Um, how long were you kind of side hustling before you went full time?
2: So I think I was working on it consistently for, I believe, two years before I quit the job and uh, took this on full time. So it was definitely a side hustle for two years, just sort of, you know, figuring out who I wanted to talk to, uh, how I was going to make money and just like building the audience, building the email list, all the things that you have to do when you're getting started. So, you know, it definitely took a while. But, you know, I think just with enough Work every day. You you get there eventually to where it's your full time thing.
0: I love that, and I love like it. It took me about eighteen months as well, and I just love sharing that. I love that you shared that because in this world of you know you don't even want to wait eleven minutes for a lift anymore, (laughs) like instant gratification. Right. It does take time to build something sustainable. And look, guys, like Baron is on his tenth year of business, which is amazing. So yay, kudos to you. Um, so how important was using like data when you first started your business and you're trying to figure out who to talk to, what to talk about? Like, how did you start using data in order to figure that stuff out?
2: Yeah, you know, so like 2009, the internet was very different from what it is today. Like, I don't think there was Instagram. There was not Instagram yet, for sure. Twitter was what my... Did... Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I
0: was like, what did we do in 20... in 2009?
2: Yeah, there was, there was nothing really. I mean, like Facebook...
0: MySpace? No, yeah, no, that was pa- that was after my space,
2: uh, it was after my space, Facebook was already around. But it was very different than what it is today. I don't even think there was a newsfeed back then on Facebook. So
0: no, I think you just saw like your friends walls or something.
2: Yeah, 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 it was very different. So like, you know, the the marketing strategies and stuff that we have today weren't really applicable, applicable back then. So what I mostly used was Twitter, because Twitter was huge back then. And that's kind of the only major like sort of social network there was where you could talk one on one with potential audience members. So or you know, potential readers, whatever. And so you know, back then, essentially, the the only data I really had was one on one conversations I had with my really small email list and people that were on Twitter. And so I used Twitter to basically connect with people. And I would essentially do what we use, uh, like hashtags, how, how they're used today on Instagram, they were used back then on Twitter. And so like, and they're still used today. But essentially, what I did was I would search like hashtags uh, around the men's style or men's fashion space. Sometimes guys would ask, I don't know, I guess they would just talk about fashion or style, or they had questions about style. And, um, you know, I sort of, I basically inserted myself into conversations back then. And I would sort of like, Either answer questions that people had or just kind of jump into conversations where clothing or style or personal style was involved. I did that for a very long time. Day after day, I would just talk to people. And then eventually, like, you know, obviously I had a Twitter profile, so people knew what I was about. And they would uh, eventually find their way to the website and then the email list. And then we would continue the conversation from there. So in terms of like data, uh, you know, the data that I collected was very—it was very manual. It was essentially just conversations that I had with people, especially in the beginning, and that's all I had to work off of. And then, you know, eventually that led to um, the kinds of articles I would write. I based everything I would write uh, on the conversations I had with people to see what they need to the help with, and then eventually that led to you know paid products, things like that. So it always started with just conversations that I had one on one on Twitter, online through email with potential readers and current readers.
0: I love that. I think it's really important to remember that as we're now, like, pretty into Instagram, and it is it can be a huge part of business. And that means kind of getting more followers. I think it's important to remember that that number it's not like it's a human at the other end. And you want to have conversations and real connection and not just Trying to get to 10K for the swipe up feature, right? Remember <laughs> that there are real people on the other end of this whole audience grab that we're all trying to do on Instagram.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, no matter what the platform is that you choose to use, I think one, you should really enjoy being on the platform and using it. And two, like you said, just remember that there's someone on the other end and that the whole purpose of this connection is to be helpful, right? And eventually that will translate into a business if you want it to. But essentially, it all starts with being helpful first.
1: Yes, I love that. I love that you shared your mission and like your why behind what you do. And it's really cool. I always love hearing this type of story, like behind the scenes, like the manual conversations that you were able to start. And then before, you know, because people always want to focus on the shiny things like wow, you're a full time blogger for 10 years. But then you're like, but I'm commenting people back <laughs> and <laughs> right. starting manual conversations. That's really cool. Do you still do that right now? Or has that changed at all?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, nowadays, I've kind of come back full circle on the basically talking to people one on one, I just find that it happens to be the most useful way to learn about your audience and to learn about the stuff that they want from you. Because, you know, it also it does change your audience as a whole can change over time. But I think like. Once you learn that, you also kind of want to focus on the specific type of people that you want to help. And so, like, you know, maybe there is a general audience of guys who, in my case, uh, are interested in men's style, right? But then there's, like, a whole, um, like, range of people there who are, like, mildly interested to people who want to pay you to help them specifically. And they will pay you thousands of dollars to work one-on-one with you. You know, so there's, like, a there's a, a big range there of, of people And then as far as like the business aspect is concerned, you want to focus on maybe not just to maximize your revenue, but you want to focus on like where you'll be happy, the kind of people that you want to serve, and then you kind of start thinking about your business from there. So, you know, going back to the original conversations with um, manually one-on-one with people, that's always helpful to talk to people one-on-one still, even for me, even to this day, because I always want to hear what they're saying and how they're using their language to kind of describe The problems that they're having with their style and that'll help me create better stuff for them so yeah so even up till this day i still talk to people it still is very helpful i even have like a little tag uh in my gmail to like kind of flag people who have sent in really good questions or like email conversations i've had with people and i always refer back to that to sort of understand their language and their like their thought process where they're coming from because you know i've been doing it for so long i kind of forget the problems that people still have right so it's also like it serves as a reminder to me. So I can always still really serve the people who need it the most, if that makes sense.
0: That totally makes sense. I also love when you mention that you have this group of people, but within that group of people that want your help, there's a range there, right? And so immediately, my mind thinks Ascension model. So mm-hmm. <laughs> like offering different products at different prices with different levels of help so that you can help all of these people and kind of Help them with a product that meets them where they're at. Totally. So we'll talk, we could talk about that later. We talk about that now, but ascension models, that is key in scaling your business, guys.
1: Okay, Baron. So I had a quick question for you. Since you've been doing this for 10 years, which is insane, like, especially because you're so young that I'm like, who oh, has <laughs> done something for 10 years at that age? But congrats and kudos to you. <laughs> so, how do you, like, do you have any strategies behind coming up with? content ideas because you have been doing it for so long and you know kind of like Instagram um, or I don't know if there's probably other social media platforms out there that you have like five topics that you rotate around do you kind of have that with your blog too or what's your strategy behind that
2: yeah so uh, in the beginning when I first came up with the concept of like when I first wanted to start this site I sat down and I thought of 50 Basically, top blog topic ideas, and so I, I knew I would just—I have no idea. I didn't have an audience. I was starting from zero, so I came up with fifty uh, topic ideas that I wanted to write about, and then I would just every, you know, every period of writing, I would just hit on these topics one by one until I finished. Uh, one, I would move on to the next one, and then that's kind of where I started. I don't think that's a bad way to start if you already kind of understand your the general uh, audience that you're trying to reach. I think that's a pretty good way to start since you have no other basis. And then from there, I think what's most important is like, once you're promoting the content that you create, you want to listen into the feedback, right? So like comment sections and blogs are super helpful. Or if you're a YouTuber, like reading those comments and replying to every single person, I found that to be very helpful as well. If people email you, I find it very helpful to reply and, uh, you know, just start conversations there. And kind of just like digging in deeper to what their sort of pain points are, like what they're struggling with. I think that will also help with coming up with more ideas for topics to write about. And so nowadays, I still do pretty much the same thing. But because we've been going for so long, we've been able to sort of focus in on two or three like major topics and then diving in really deep. Because like I decided to go this route because, one, I don't want to be like a very general site because there are sites like GQ, for example, or Esquire magazine, or there are there are many like really big magazine publications with huge websites that have teams of writers who can cover really general topics, right. Uh, And so I'm never going to compete with them because I'm a small team, right. And they have a huge, they have a huge team. So what I found to be working really well for me was essentially to, you know, find the over time, and I, I discovered this over time is to like, basically nail down the three to five topics within my niche that um, my readers really like and want to know more about, or and also what I'm interested in, and then just diving in really deep on that. So, you know, in the beginning, you, you're gonna be writing very general stuff, but then as you interact with your audience and people who are reading your stuff and you get feedback, your content kind of goes through this journey, and then eventually you start to settle in to where you're really comfortable and where you kind of start to find the specific topics that you want to talk about within your niche. Does that does that make sense?
1: Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I think that's really strategic, even though and open minded at the same time. Because I think a lot of people have a struggle with starting like, where do I start? So I love that you came up with 50 ideas first. And then maybe I don't know if you did some edits on them or like tweak them a little bit. I'm sure you had some processes in between. But just getting down the first 50 ideas, I'm sure helped and then getting more specific along the way.
2: Yeah. And that I mean, you know, you can you can think for days or months or years, like, where do I start? What's the best way to do it? Really, in the beginning, you just have to start and put stuff out there. And then as you're going along, you're going to discover what makes the most sense for you and your audience and where you want your business to go. And then from there, you can basically navigate that and figure out and, and refine your content, essentially. But you will never get to that point if you don't just get started. So my, my suggestion, basically, if if you're still like, in the beginning stages of your business and you want to create content for it. It's like, just just put stuff out there and see what sticks and then listen to the feedback. You know, promote it a lot when you're done and then listen to the feedback and tell your, your next content piece to those people. You know what I mean? Like, so just kind of like let your content evolve. That's awesome.
0: So whoever's listening and they needed a sign to just start, that was your sign. <laughs>
1: exactly. I know. Or uh, honestly, my opinion, I'm just like, don't wait for a sign, just do it. <laughs>
2: Totally. But
1: if you if you really need permission, then Baron right now is giving you permission to go for it. <laughs> Absolutely. I love it. So when did you decide to monetize your passion?
2: So our first, I guess, paid product was uh, we created this ebook. It was like thirty dollars. It was under thirty bucks. And the way I came up with that was um, I don't even remember what it was called at this point. I think it was called like the effortless guide to graduating your style or something like that. So back in the day, you know, 10 years ago, I was just out of college. And so my my main group that I was speaking to was newly graduated people or like people who are entering the workforce and don't know what to wear to their jobs. And so I created this, this ebook. It's like this product. It was a PDF, basically. I think it was like 40 or 50 pages. And it was like just a guide to helping a newly graduated guy who is getting into the workforce, kind of like build this wardrobe so he looks professional and feels like himself, right? And, you know, the only way I came up with this was, again, just basically manually talking to people. Like I would email, my list was growing at this point, I probably had a few hundred, maybe a a few thousand, I don't know, people on my list at this point. And I was essentially talking to them every day, asking them like, okay, so if I did this, is this something that would be helpful? Here is a, a general outline of this product that I'm creating or this ebook or I forgot how I what I called it back then but this this thing I'm writing and I want to I'm going to create this awesome premium product here is what I'm thinking well, does this sound helpful if not tell me what do you think you need to know etc so essentially Ooh, like so
1: you like kind of tested your audience to see before th- was
2: this before you actually created the ebook or during or so before and during I told them I had this idea. Also, at the time, the blog was very much a blog. Today, it's more like a, it's almost like an online magazine slash resource, which is kind of how it's evolved. But back then, it was pretty much a blog. Like, I would post like a 300-word, like, update or something on something I'm thinking about for this product, for example. And people would, so back then, you would subscribe like through RSS feeds or, you know, if they, if they were on my email list, they would get an email notification that I have a new post. It was very like uh, organic and I talked to my audience as if I I only had an audience of five people, right? So it felt very personal and I think they felt open to talking to me because it really did feel like a personal blog almost. Uh, And so I would always like talk to readers and say, okay, so this is what I'm thinking of. And then they would basically go through the process of creating this product with me. So at the very end, they they were almost like invested in it because they were along with me on, on this journey, you know, as I was making it. Yeah. Totally. So, so like that, that's kind of how it started. And I think also, because they felt so invested in the creation of this product, they were almost more compelled to buy it because of the fact that they were there throughout the whole process.
1: It's a conversation.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, I love that. That reminds me of, um, so uh, me and Baron, we, we kind of met through <laughs> Craft and Commerce Conference. And Pat Flynn mm-hmm. was one of the speakers. And he talked about the process of ideation to product. And that's exactly what it talks about. He's like, involve your audience, like invite them to be a part of that conversation throughout the creation process. So I, I really love that. Okay, so I want to ask you for a really honest question. Um, I want to ask you a really honest question if you're comfortable asking, did you have any like flops? Or were all of your products like successful? And if it was, that's totally fine. I just love hearing all sides of the story. So
0: tangent i just hate the word flop so <laughs> dirty All right. going back on mute
2: yeah so um the first e-guide that i sold was i would say it was pretty successful i can't remember what my list was exactly at that point but i want to say it was like under a thousand maybe two thousand. One of two thousand people i think max was on my email list and i thought the product was pretty successful i believe it sold for a little bit under 30 it was like 27 or 29 and i generated i want to say like twelve to sixteen thousand dollars in revenue the first three months of the product that's awesome being sold. Mm-hmm. so like to me that was like and that was your huge, first product that was, like, ever that was my first product yeah and so like that was really exciting to see to see that yeah it was it was great and it, it allowed me to like you know to leave the job and and luckily for me you know I was a designer and developer so I had like this um I was able to get freelance clients right so I uh I basically had two businesses. I was freelancing with this web design stuff and web development stuff. But at the same time, I was also building this blog because I wanted it to be my full-time thing eventually. And so like that was my way of transitioning from like full-time job to fully working for myself. I was lucky enough to have this sort of freelancing bridge, right? But if you're not in I was I would say to your audience, like if, if you're not in a position to where you can find freelance work on the side while you're building your thing either stay at your job longer and continue to build your thing on the side till you're seeing consistent predictable income or you can go you can go like the one-on-one personal coaching route for your specific niche. So like for me, if I were starting over today, I think what I would do instead of doing the web freelancing stuff because I was trying to get away from that, I wanted to do the style thing full time. What I would do is take on personal styling clients because you can charge a premium for that, right? Because you're working with them one-on-one. So figure out what your like your high ticket item is, and do that to fund your your business as you're building like the blog and as you're building your smaller products, etc. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: that's really cool. I was actually just going to ask you about your different revenue streams and how that works. You don't have to like cool. specifically say what you're doing, but I love how you have like tiers, everything from ebook to premium service, one on one in person type of thing.
2: Right. Right. Um, yeah. So I could talk about that a little bit. So right now, ninety nine percent of my content is obviously free it's it's a it's a website it's online anyone can search for it and find it and so i guess like tier one of my revenue streams are like it's, it's essentially an ad based and ad revenue model right because the site gets certain amount of traffic every month and there are display ads on the site and so i'm working with an agency for that and i get paid you know based on traffic so if my traffic increases then this portion of my revenue will increase right That's one part of it. Uh, And then the second part that's sort of on the same level, but it's a little bit more hands-on for me is that I work with brands and products that I really love and they come on to either be a sponsor for a, uh, like an article or like a YouTube video, or like we set up a partnership where they're sponsoring like several pieces of content or content over X amount of months, you know, so working with brand sponsorships and brand partners, that's like another part of the revenue. And then uh, from there, there is um, the products that we have, I don't have those ebooks that I started with like 10 years ago, I don't have those anymore, I retired those but I I do have like a program called smart sharp style, which is what we sell. And that's like our one course that we have. And that sells for I believe 97. Right now, Uh, we're actually going to be increasing the price on that to 197. And then I have a smaller. I guess I do have an ebook. It's a, it's an ebook all about matching. So we dive really deep into uh, this topic of how to match your clothes. So like colors, patterns, and also like just full outfits. And uh, that's like one of the questions I get the most is like how do I match X with Y? And so I created a really in depth uh, ebook on that. And that's I think that sells for forty seven or ninety seven. So those are the two digital products that I have. Mm-hmm. And then um, the higher end on the higher end of the of the revenue spectrum is the one on one coaching, either online or in person. And I don't do this very often nowadays. But I think like I'm I'm kind of in this weird transition right now where I'm I'm starting to consider more uh, more like one on one stuff as something I want to kind of go into again, just because it it is pretty fun to work one on one with people and to see them evolve and change and you're you're playing a direct role in that and so obviously this isn't like super scalable but it's a way to like kind of connect one-on-one with people and obviously it's a premium service too so you're charging a little bit more for that a lot more for that actually so those are sort of like the four or five uh, i guess revenue streams that this business has
0: two things that you've mentioned that i love and i want to point out to our listeners baron is that One, um, you did mention a bridge job before, right? When you were freelancing. Uh And I feel like a lot of people don't talk about that. Like it's it's okay to have this bridge job. I know entrepreneurs who quit well-paying jobs, worked at Starbucks so that they can work on their business and really get it scaling. I had a bridge job. I quit my tech job and I managed a bar studio Mm -hmm. for six months and I worked on my business you took freelancing um, clients. So I feel like a lot of people don't talk about that. Like there's no shame in that. And if that's something that you think will work for you in order for you to transition to full-time in what you want to do, like go for it. It can work. And the other thing I want to mention and point out to listeners is that Baron just mentioned going back to one-on-one, right? Like he did it, he paused, and now he's going back to it to get that connection. You really see your client like transformation when you're working with them one-on-one. And my point there is you can set the rules like Baron did it. Now he's bringing it back. It's his business and he can set the rules. And I just want to point that out because you don't have to follow some path that someone else put for you. You don't have to feel like you can't go back to something that you want to do, you know, that you offered years ago. So I just want to point those two amazing things out to our listeners that Baron is doing.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, in the at the end of, of the day, it's like your business and you should enjoy Building it, you should enjoy working in it every day. And um, sometimes, like, you know, you, you try something and it doesn't work or you don't enjoy it as much as you thought you would, then you don't have to do it. You can just stop and then work on something else. But I think, like, I think the key is to, um, to keep trying new things. And once you find the two or three things that work really well or the two or three things that you really want to focus on growing, then I think that is, that is when you know, okay, let's like, I can stop trying the 10 other things. Now let me just focus on these two or three things and do these really well.
0: Mm hmm.
1: That's really good. And I I like how we're talking about today, Our our topic is multiple revenue streams. But I love how we're not just saying like, make money as much as in different ways as much as possible. It's still very curated and very thoughtful. So I love how you're still saying like, yes, I do have different ways to monetize my website and my business and my brand, but it's still under the umbrella, you know, the fashion umbrella and styling and All of that good stuff. So how do you balance having multiple revenue streams in your business?
2: It's tough. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being honest, first of all. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it gets easier because the more you do it, the more you get used to the workflow and you start to build systems that sort of make your life easier. I also have a really, I have a small team. So I have a few writers that work with me. I have an editor Um, I have a person I can call on for video editing as well. So I'm not completely by myself at this point. But even if, you know, even if I were just by myself starting over again, like you don't you can feel overwhelmed at times. But just remind yourself that, you know, take it a day at a time and work on one thing and do it really well. And then from there, then move on to a second income stream, right? Like, so in the beginning, I had no ad revenue. I had no sponsorships from brands. All I had was this blog that didn't make any money. And I had this idea for an, an e-guide, an ebook that I wanted to create. Like, so that's, I only had one thing, right? Uh, and then from there, I did, I did eventually like create more products and I tried new things. And then, you know, the traffic grew. So I was able to work with an agency to have display ads and I was able to work with brands like in the, that comes eventually. But I think the uh, important thing is to like, don't overwhelm yourself in the beginning, like focus on one thing. Do that really well, and then uh, and then from there sort of expand into other income streams. And you might, you know, the beginning you might have to try. Maybe an ebook doesn't work for you. Maybe you don't like writing, so you want to do YouTube and live streaming or something, or you want to do live coaching calls. I don't know what your thing is, but um, you know, f- you might have to try a few things first. But then once you figure that out, go all in on one thing, and then once you're really great at that, I think you can then start moving on to other income streams. Yeah,
1: that's that's a really good strategy. And it makes the whole thing way less overwhelming. Because sometimes when I listen to podcasts or read books, sometimes it's overwhelming because you're like, oh, my gosh, you're throwing so many ideas at me. But I love how you broke it down super simply, like get really good at one thing first and then start your second leg and then start your third leg. And then if you don't like it, just cut it off and then like do something else. So there's a lot of grace in that, too. So I love that. Okay, I'm just laughing
0: because I just imagine a leg getting cut off i don't think i had coffee today
1: (laughs) i know i use that (laughs) phrase a lot and i really feel like i should stop because multiple people have told me like oh that sounds really violent and i was like i know i'm like i think of it like a table but i i understand that doesn't sound great
0: the other thing that you also say a lot is (laughs) constipated I do
1: say that, like you're, you're like
0: constipated with ideas, and I'm like, yes. stop with the constipation. Well, because
1: it's the best way to describe a creatives. Like we have so many ideas, but we're not <laughs> executing it. That's so a good
2: visual. I, I can
1: constipated. I, I just don't think about it like that. But I can see how other people would think about it like that. Yeah.
0: Okay, poll audience. Leave a comment. Not on iTunes. Please don't leave this on iTunes. Leave this on our Instagram. When we say constipation, are you thinking about creatives? Or are you thinking about something else? We would love to to know. Let's <laughs> oh be gosh. real. I
1: probably won't change it either way, but I want to know. know what people are thinking.
0: <laughs> Again, just don't leave it on an iTunes review, please. If we see an iTunes review that says constipation, I'm going to hurt Diane. <laughs> so, Baron, you have given our listeners so many tidbits of great information and insight, but I wanted to ask you before we end this episode, if someone out there is listening and they know they want to do something creative, they're Focusing on a few different things to find that one thing, that signature thing before you know leaving their job. How do people know what that thing is, that one thing to go all in on? Any tips there?
2: So, is this assuming that your listener has a like he he or she is already selling a product or a service, or are they let's assume
0: that they already know their creative like thing, like it's illustration, it's writing, it's photography, mm-hmm. and you know they. They're trying like maybe a shop, maybe one-on-one, but they're just not sure like what to follow through with if they do want to focus on one thing.
2: Well, that's a good question. I think you have to find a balance between um, what you enjoy doing and talking about and teaching and what can make money, right? Like what can can generate revenue for you and your business? Because if you're going to quit your job, you obviously need to make this a full-time thing. Okay, so first of all, I always say like, <laughs> don't quit your job. Like, keep your jobs. No one quit. That was like a, a very popular thing to say for a very long time. It's like, yeah, follow your passion, follow your dreams, quit your jobs, and live a great life. Like, eh, it doesn't really work that way, and I it didn't work that way for me. And uh, I <laughs> I can't imagine that it would work well for anybody. But um, obviously, stick with your 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 full time job because we all need to eat and pay rent. Uh, so do that for as long as possible, and while you have this freedom, because you're not worried about paying rent or paying bills because you have your job, really take the time to experiment with the types of products that you can sell or the services that you can create for people and the services that you can um, kind of help other people with. Like, think through all of these things. And really, I think it's important to experiment. Like, you know, you might create a, let's say you're I I don't know, I don't know, what, what do you guys do, hand lettering, for example? Let, let's say you create a, a hand lettering course you might not enjoy one, creating a course or two, selling digital products, right? So if you were to have quit your job already, then now you're going to be scrambling, trying to figure out how am I going to make money next month, right? I think it's important to like, try different things and um, try different revenue streams, try different products and services that you can offer people, and then ramp that up as much as possible before you even think about leaving your job. Because you know, you want to create an income stream that is sustainable and something that you enjoy doing. You don't want to be stuck. Um, does that sort of answer the question? I think I think I'm on the right track here. Is that? <laughs> no,
0: I, I mean, I completely agree with you and trying all the things. And then I think from there, like you like you mentioned, then you can take into account like what you really enjoy doing out of those things. And maybe that's the thing you can like go all in on and okay. then quit
2: your job. Totally. I think that's why it's also important too, is is to build an audience, whether that is going to be, I, I, I'm still under the belief that an email list is the most important thing because you own that relationship, right? But the only way to really get people on your email list is to have content out there, whether that be on Instagram or on YouTube, or if you're a writer, create your own blog, or even write on sites like Medium or like those those aggregation sites, things like that. You have to create content and put it out there and then promote it and then people will eventually like come to you then you have the the chance to build an audience on your email list right uh and and then from there you know then you can start thinking about products and stuff but you know i think having the ability to create content to attract an audience to you first is the number one thing and from there it's it's very easy because then you have people who you know whose attention you have then you can like ask them hey What do you need from me? Like, how can I help you? Just you can figure that out just through the conversations that you're having. So number one, obviously, create a bunch of great content, put your ideas out there, promote them, and then see what sticks and then talk to the people who come to you and who need your help. Just talk to people. I mean, that's really the easiest way to figure out what type of paid product should you create.
0: Love it. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Baron, for sharing a little bit about how you started your business. 10 years, like, that emoji with the hands up. That's what I'm doing right now. Y'all can't see me, but that's what I'm doing. So Baron gave some really great tips about how to find what you're passionate about and then down the line, how to make that work for you and how to have multiple revenue streams. He talked a little bit about one-on-one connection and conversations and really listening to your audience. And one thing that Baron mentioned that I really liked was he mentioned that you need to speak directly to your audience as if it's a small group, as if it's one person and not maybe the thousands or the hundreds of people that are actually in your audience, right? That's how you can make the other person on the end of that email list or that Instagram post feel like you are talking just to them, that their opinion matters because it does. Again, remember, we're having conversations. We're not concerned about getting more followers. So we hope that this episode was helpful for you and inspirational for you. And we cannot wait to catch you in the next episode. Thanks for listening.